The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Um, another thing I just want to say is happy Mother's Day. A happy Mother's Day to all uh, the mamas out there. It's Mother's Day. It's a uh, Mother's Day, unlike probably anyone that we have experienced or maybe will ever experience again. Uh, and I saw someone this week post online about Mother's Day and specifically saying, if you really want to bless your mama today, uh, give her some alone time. Okay, right? Like, so mamas, especially mamas with kiddos who are now home all the time, you want to be homeschooled and they're just here with you all the time. We love you. Okay. We honor you today. We bless you. Go take a nap. Like that might be the best thing for you and for your whole family. Just go take a nap. Dads, kids, leave her alone. Give her some time. Uh, so, so happy Mother's Day. We love you. We wish we could be together today, but we cannot. Uh, another thing today that's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're we're going to take a pause on our normal kind of uh, preaching schedule where we have been working through the book of 1 Corinthians verse by verse. And we're going to get back to that next week. I'll be back next week uh, preaching again in 1 Corinthians. But today I want to pause on that and kind of take a little bit of a different uh uh, take on something and, and cast some vision for really what we're saying is what's next for Fathom Church uh, during this ongoing COVID-19 crisis, okay? So what's next uh, for us as a community? Now, uh, if you're newer to Fathom, like maybe you've joined us in the last couple of months online or, 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 or whatever, uh, if you're newer here, uh, more than a, uh, than a year ago, so like 18 months ago, I had personally this, this burnout, this personal burnout and crisis where I was uh, away from this, this gathering physically at Fathom for about three months. Uh, and, and this COVID-19 season that we're in has, has really, in some bizarre ways, brought these like kind of strange waves of, of like uh, echoes of last spring for me. Because, uh, because last year, uh, I couldn't gather with y'all physically, with my church physically, but, but it was because of a personal crisis, uh, and, and now this spring, uh, I, I can't gather physically with my church, with y'all, um, but it's because of this communal or this global crisis. And, and while the two reasons behind those crises are not the same, I'm coming to believe that the experience is similar. It's similar. Now, uh, while I was in my three-month like stay-at-home order last year, okay, um, I was in weekly counseling. Uh, I was encouraged to read books uh, on, on the spiritual journey of a Christian dealing with how God deepens us as followers of Christ. And one of the books I, I read was a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, by Peter Scazzaro. Uh, this is an old uh, copy I've had since, since seminary, but uh, they have a new cover, but uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, and, and Peter, in, in one of his chapters, he suggests that every follower of Jesus will at some point confront a, a wall in their life, a wall. He calls it the wall. And he's borrowing from another book that I've read that's excellent as well. But this wall or, or what he says has been known throughout Christian history as the dark night of the soul is explained by Schizero like this. Let me read this quote. For most of us, he's talking of Christians, 
For most of us, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce, a job loss, the death of a close friend or family member, a cancer diagnosis, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled, a dryness or loss of joy in our relationship with God. We have more questions than answers as the very foundations of our faith feel like it's on the line. We don't know where God is, what he is doing, where he is going, or when this will be over. That's his description of the wall. And I think we could add to that list of things. A global pandemic might be a wall. I think that's apt to consider today. And it seems to me that there are walls all throughout the Bible. Okay, there are walls for for our, our characters in the Bible as well. God calls Abraham, Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons. Genesis chapter 12, 12 he, he calls him to leave his family, uh, to, to, to start a new people, okay? And he says they will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. The problem is Abraham and Sarah can't have any of their own kids. And for 25 years, they try to no avail. And Sarah is barren. Before he would, he, he would receive this promised son through whom that promise would be, would be uh, revealed, he had to wait a quarter of a century. His wall, I think, was waiting uh, consider King David. Okay. King David famous killed the Goliath. All right. Remember this. He ushered in the golden years of Israel. But uh, if you remember, he committed a, a heinous sin against his God and against, uh, th- this, this friend of his Uriah by, by going to bed and impregnating his wife, uh, uh Bathsheba. So, so David's wall was this personal sin, I mean, even consider Peter, okay? The apostle Peter, the rock, okay? Uh, when when uh, he's arguably one of the most devoted followers of Jesus in, and, and then at the end of Jesus' life, in the moment Jesus needed him the most, he denied knowing Christ three times in the same night. See, the wall that Peter had to come up against was this wall of fear, and see, the temptation for us is, is, is that when we come up to a wall in our lives, uh, our temptation is to turn and retreat from that, to go backwards, okay? To avoid the struggle and the pain and the hard work of going through that wall. Like it's just simply easier to turn around and retreat and return back to normal, back to whatever it was before. Uh, but, but I want to posit to you this morning that God wants to take us all deeper in our walk with him. And one of the ways he does this is through walls, through walls. See, Abraham, he pushed through that wall to become known as uh, the father of our faith. Okay, David, he pushes through his own wall of sin 
Okay. He pushes through that to be known as a man after God's own heart. And Peter, God love Peter, but Peter, go. he pushes through the wall of his guilt, of his shame, of just feeling so inadequate. He pushed through that uh, to be restored to the leader that the early church needed. And what I want you to consider, I want us to consider this morning is this, like what if COVID-19 is actually a communal wall for us? Like I keep talking with people who continually communicate to me sentiments similar to this. Hey, when things go back to normal, then I'll, you know, fill in the blank. When things get back to normal, then I'll serve more. Hey, when things get back to normal, uh, listen, I'm going to start taking church way more seriously. Hey, when things get back to normal, I'm just going to connect with my community more and serve more. Like, I just need things to get back to normal. And hear me, I want things back to normal as well. Like, I so want that. I can't tell you how much I dislike preaching to an empty room. There's no one here right now. You're kind of here virtually a few days later, but there's no one in the room with me. It doesn't even feel like I'm preaching, okay? It feels like I'm pretending. It feels like I'm acting like a preacher, but I'm not, I don't see any of you here. This is weird. I want things normal, but, but consider for just a moment, what if God doesn't want us to get back to normal? Like what, what, what if God wants us to change? To, as it were, push through the wall to deepen us in him through this crisis, through this wall. So this morning, I want to walk us through how I think we can, as a church, not retreat from the wall, not run from this wall that's before us, but rather how we as a church, as a community, can push through, can, 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 can dig our way, claw our way through the wall so that on the other side, whenever that is on the other side, we can be deeper in our love for Christ and in our walk with him. This uh, will, will, will very likely feel practical, okay? I'm not going to open a bunch of texts and exposit the text through, so this is going to feel more topical as a sermon, but I, I hope it can help us with this question. Like, what should we be doing? What can every one of us do as we try to go through this wall together? So here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to frame this out in terms of our discipleship strategy here at Fathom. And, and, and so uh, we'll put it up on the screen. We have this four-sided discipleship strategy uh, that we've shared with you. And this is how we, we believe that God has called us to make disciples at Fathom Church. And this is how I believe we will kind of go through this COVID-19 wall and deepen together. So there's four edges to this, uh, to this model. There's an inspirational edge. Uh, there is the relational edge. There's the educational edge. And then there's the missional edge. So I want to break these four edges down of our discipleship strategy. So first, inspirational discipleship. Okay, how do you think God would deepen you if if you didn't wait for things to kind of go back to normal to start engaging with him inspirationally? Like, how do you think you might change 
Consider the scripture that that was read for us this morning, okay? Luke chapter 10, verse 27 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, heart and soul. Those are emotional kind of relational, uh, uh, inspirational words for us. So let me give you some categories of like this. How do you love God with all your heart and your soul? Let Let me give you some categories for inspirational discipleship, personal, family, and corporate, okay? Those are the three, personal uh, discipleship. Let's talk about this. I've been talking a lot about kind of your own personal practices and disciplines this year, specifically kind of coming out of my crisis last year, Um, but, but in your own daily rhythms of spending time with God, I believe God wants to deepen you in that, and that will be part of how you get through this wall. So we have classically called these quiet times or, or like devotions, time alone with God. Um, and, and there are all kinds of ways to do this. So I'm not going to prescribe one method here, um, but here's what I will say to you confidently. If you are a Christian, okay, I think you should be spending some time every day with God in his word and in prayer. I think you should spend some time every day with God in his word and in prayer. I'll just share uh, how I do this. Okay. This is an example. This is not prescriptive. It is descriptive. It is not the way. It is just one way of how I do this. But um, I wake up every morning early, try to get up between five and six every morning to have my time with God. Okay. Uh, My best hours just for me are from the moment I wake up until I eat lunch. That's just for me. Okay. And then from there on, it's all downhill. It's all downhill in terms of productivity and thought life. And I just, it's just, I get, get my worst at night. So I want to give God my first and my best. That includes my time. So I give him my first and my best every morning. I get up early. And the first thing I do is I sit with God for about 15 minutes in silence. This is the most excruciating part of my routine because it's just bizarre, but I just sit and I try and picture myself at Christ's feet. And then after about 15 minutes or so, once the coffee is brewed and I'm starting to drink it and wake up a little bit, then I pray, uh, which for me, I have to open a prayer journal. I'm not a sit and kind of quietly pray to myself kind of guy or else my mind is going elsewhere. So I need a journal. I need to write stuff down. So I pray. I pray through my previous day, anything that went on, any meetings I had, I pray through my schedule for this coming day. Uh, I pray for things that are on my heart. I pray for stresses that are burdening me. I pray for my family. All right. I pray for y'all. I pray for my church. I pray every single day for one of my neighbors on my block. And then I also pray for those who I am in conflict, relational conflict with as a way of softening and beginning the process of forgiveness. So, so that prayer can take anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes, depending on, uh, you know, how, how, how engaged I am in it. That most days I will read a chapter from some sort of spiritual book like this, like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I'd read a chapter from this book. And then that's about it. About 60 to 90 minutes, depending on the day, uh, I'm spending personal time with God. Now, here's the caveat. This is normally interrupted by Harper. There's normally Sesame Street going on in the background. Like there's things that are happening that keep me kind of distracted that I have to battle through. Some days, honestly, I'm just lazy and I don't do it. I miss it. Okay, I skip and, and, and I don't like those days, but they happen. I'm just honest with you. Um, but most days I'm trying really hard to discipline myself to do this. Okay, 
what, what if God doesn't want us to wait until things get back to normal to deepen us in our personal relationship with him? If you don't know how to do these kinds of things, all right, we're here to help. Reach out to me, reach out to us. Like we'd love to help you with this. We're also gonna put all kinds of resources on the website, okay? Fathomchurch.org slash resources. We're gonna put resources for personal devotions, for family devotions, for a lot of stuff on that page. So uh, that, that is a good spot to check out as well. So personal, okay? Second is family. Second category of inspirational discipleship is family. Uh, so if you're married, okay, and uh, you have kids, or maybe you live with family members, um, I want to encourage you to, in this season, start some sort of family devotion. Now, I understand that if you're single or you live by yourself, you don't live with your family, uh, like this is, th- that's totally cool. Uh, this may not fit your season of life. So, so, so that's all right. But, but many of us with families uh, in our homes right now, uh, I think our, our, we are more connected than ever before. We're around each other more than ever before. So why not try and start some family devotions now? Now, honest, here's my honest thing. I can get kind of bogged down in family devotions because I often have these unrealistic expectations for family devotions. All right, like, uh, so so I'm, I'm a pastor, right? I'm a pastor of a church and I expect family devotions to kind of go like this, all right? My daughter Harper sitting at my feet with perfect posture, politely asking, Father, would you please exposit the scriptures to me? I don't know why she talks like this in my mind, but she does, okay? But like, I have these expectations, all right? And that never happens. That don't happen at my house, right? Literally, the other night, uh, we're doing our, our family devotions. Harper interrupted right in the middle of the Bible story. And this is what she says. She says, hold on, daddy, pause, pause. I need to text my friend. And I was like, huh? Because she don't even have a phone, Frankly, she don't even have friends yet, okay? So I was like, what? But she grabbed her pretend phone and texted her pretend friend. And I had to stop and tell her, hey, we don't use phones during family devotions. So that's what's going on in my house, all right? I don't know how it's going in your house. That's what's going on in my house. We gotta get these unrealistic expectations out of our minds and just lower the bar and try this. So, so here again, here's my example, how we do this at my home. It's not the only way, it's just one way. Um, and also remember this, we have one four-year-old daughter. Uh, so if you're in a different situation, it might look different. There might be different variables to consider here. So for us, we read one story, one story. It's like three pages out of the Jesus Storybook Bible every night. Just one, okay? Uh, and then uh, at home, while we're now that we're home eating meals together all the time, we pray before every meal together as a family. Sometimes I pray, sometimes Marcy prays. Most of the time, actually, Harper now prays for our meals. And then when we were putting Harper down to bed, we do prayers with her in her bed before bed. We've also been printing off the Sunday school stuff that Whisper has been sending out, and we're trying to do that, but we don't do that all the time. We sometimes miss that, um, but that's it. That's it. One chapter, we pray, we try and do the Sunday school stuff. We're not great at it yet. And that's it. We're just trying. Like we're just trying. You don't need a seminary degree to do this. Okay, you can do what I just said I do. All right? It's not the only way, okay? 
It's just one way. Um, but again, on the resources page, Whisper has now created a weekly devotional for families that, that for every single day of the week. So that'll be there as well. Check that out. So personal discipleship, family discipleship, finally, corporate discipleship. So uh, I know we can't be in this room together, okay? And frankly, nobody really knows when we're going to be able to do this again, like when we're all going to get in this room together. The reality as I see it, I don't want to be a downer, but the reality as I see it is that the last phase of going back to normal is going to be large gatherings like this, all right? The very last normal to kind of be established will be a couple of hundred people sitting four inches apart singing into the air. Like, I think that's going to be the last thing that goes back to normal. But despite that, like whenever that happens, until then, when the church corporately gathers together, even online, okay, when it gathers together on Sundays as the church, it is vital for the salvation and the sanctification of God's people. For the, the beginning process of getting saved and the furthering of your faith, the gathering of the church is vital. I don't think we can downplay this. I know a lot of people say, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And I just say, I'm, I'm not so sure. Like, we can debate about this, but I think church is vital. We gather every Sunday for singing, for prayer, to hear the word read and preached, okay, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we believe that in the, we believe in the biblical importance of these corporate elements for spiritual life and growth. We believe in them. See, for some of you, this, these last eight weeks, they've been the first time you haven't missed a Sunday in that long, like ever, ever. So let me commend you to continue doing that until we can get back in this room. Let me continually encourage you, keep logging in on Sundays. I'm tired of screens too, but just trust me. I know this isn't ideal. I know we want to be physically together. I know it's weird to worship at home, okay? I know all of this, but what if God wants to take you deeper? Like deeper with him in spite of these, 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 these unlikely circumstances we find ourselves in. So that's the inspirational discipleship things that I believe we can do to push through this wall. The second edge of our discipleship strategy is the relational discipleship edge. Okay, so relational. Um, now, uh, let me address some things. As a state, as a state of Colorado, uh, we are moving out of the stay at home and into the safer at home or safe at home uh, phase now. And these new guides, okay, these new guidelines, uh, they, they are forcing us to adapt and consider how we gather. And so uh, we will continue to build relationships with one another. But here's what I think this kind of safer at home thing means for us as a church. Frankly, it uh, doesn't mean a whole lot of change for us in terms of our formal gatherings right now, right? So like even, uh, like this room's not changing, okay? Even our small groups, our discipleship groups, uh, until um, like, like under this next set of safer at home guidelines where we can meet up to 10 people, uh, we're going to actually keep our D groups uh, virtual online right now. Uh, we're doing this for a couple of reasons. 
Uh, so first, uh, this will allow for those in our groups who are at a higher risk uh, to, to stay connected. Uh, but, but, but also, this will allow for anyone who's taking any sort of higher precaution for whatever reason to, to still be able to participate and connect in their group. Additionally, okay, normally our D groups take uh, the, the summer months, okay? Uh, normally Memorial Day to Labor Day, we take those days off. We take those three months off. But this year, we're asking each D group to, uh, to consider, uh, yeah, they can take the, the summer off if they'd like, uh, or they can continue to meet digitally for the summer. And some have decided to take the break, and some have decided to continue to meet. Furthermore, we're going to open up a couple of new D groups. That's our hope, because I, I sense that there are some of those of you in our church, whether you've been here for a long time or you're brand new and, and, and you're feeling disconnected and you're ready. You don't want to wait until normal comes back. You want to jump into a group now. And so we want to open that up to you. So if you're interested in joining a new D group, uh, would you go to fathomchurch.org slash groups and, and, and we'll, uh, there's a form there. You can sign up. We'll, we'll connect you this week uh, to find a good fit for a D group this summer for you. But regardless of this, okay, whether you're going to take a break from D group, if you're going to keep meeting, if you're going to join a new group, it doesn't really matter. Um, in this safer at home stage, uh, it does open up some more options for us to uh, begin to relate physically with other people whenever you feel comfortable. So like whenever you feel comfortable, you're now permitted to gather with like up to 10 people while taking proper distancing precautions. So, so use wisdom, okay? Using wisdom and following these local restrictions, like whenever you feel comfortable, you can now start getting together with other people from our church family. Again, I just want to keep saying this. Just please take these guidelines seriously and practice this within those guidelines. And then uh, I also want to add this. Please know that in a season like this, everyone's going to approach this differently. And some of you, some of you, you're ready to jump back into face-to-face -face meetings. But there are still others in our church who have very legitimate and good reasons to exercise more caution. And so that's why we're keeping these D groups virtual. And I just want to encourage you to show grace to each other. I, I want to encourage you to really honor those who approach this season differently than you do, okay? Because we get a, an opportunity as Christians to, to, to show deferential love to people, to defer to the interests of others, to, to truly be humble and count others as more important than ourselves. This is just what John talked about last week. Week. So, so stay connected, okay, in relationships with your church family uh, as you push through this wall. That's the relational edge of discipleship. The third edge of our strategy is the educational edge, educational discipleship. And this is the edge we've been promoting the last few months uh, as we're relaunching our Fathom Academy classes uh, with this first class on Christian theology taught by uh, Denver Seminary instructor Ryan Tafalowski. Um, so, so just details, this class has been moved online. It's entirely going to be online. The benefit now 
for you uh, of it being online is that if you were unable to actually make it out for the physical class, you are now able to join us digitally. You can actually join us. We already have almost 50 people signed up for this class, which is epic. Okay. I would love to encourage more of us to consider this as a practice for the summer. Okay. Every Thursday night, 6 PM starting in June, uh, Ryan is going to, uh, lead us and teach us, uh, basic Christian theology. I'm, listen, I went to seminary. I got a piece of paper that cost me a lot of money that says that I already know I'm a master in this stuff. And I'm really excited to sit under his tutelage in this. And Ryan and I will be, ho- we're going to record it all in advance. We're going to be hosting uh, in the chat room, just like a, a regular Sunday morning where we can talk about, ha- have questions, facilitate discussion. All of that will be happening online. And, and listen, again, I just wonder, I just wonder what God might want to do to us as a church to take us deeper in our, in our minds this summer. Like knowing more about who God is and what he's like is vital to your practicing as a disciple, growing in your mind. I mean, back to Luke 10, 27, again, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all of your mind. Like what if, what if God wants to change your devotional life and your relational life, but also like, what if he wants to deepen your intellect? And that's part of the wall. I just say, please prayerfully consider signing up for this class. You can register fathomchurch.org academy. So those are our first three edges. Okay. The fourth and final edge of our strategy is missional discipleship, missional discipleship. Uh, And the rest of Luke chapter 10, that verse actually reads this. I'll put it up. Um, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So we really want to encourage you towards loving your neighbors in this season. And and by that, uh, I mean your literal, physical neighbors. So uh, whether you live in an apartment or you live in a, in a house, I imagine that you're experiencing similar things to what I'm experiencing, which is everyone is out and about all the time. Like people are waving at me as I'm driving through my neighborhood who never waved before. It's just happening right now. And this is a wonderful opportunity for us as followers of Christ. So a couple ideas here, how you can missionally love your neighbors. First, uh, you, you could just say hi. Like you could introduce yourself. You could find out their name. Can I tell you a truth that I believe in? Okay, this, this is a truth. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll bet on this one. Everyone is shy at first. Everyone is shy at first. Even extroverts, introvert, extrovert, don't matter. If you don't know anybody, you're gonna feel shy, okay? Other people, listen to me, Other people are waiting for you to introduce yourself to them. They are. 
Go ahead, do it. Take a risk. Say hi to somebody, okay? I've told you before, but like, if at all possible, get to know their names. Like, know who they are and start praying for them. A name matters. Second thing you could do, other than just getting to know who is out and around you, second thing you could do is bless your neighbors. And, and listen, there are there's so many ways you can do this. Uh, I don't have like a list. Here's just one way I heard. I thought it was kind of clever. A friend of mine, he went to a local nursery. Um, plants, flowers, got it, okay. Uh, he bought potted plants for like his five or six neighbors around him. And then he wrote a little card, you know, on it saying that he was praying for them, introducing himself, saying he was praying for them. And then, and, and if like they had any needs or whatever, they could just reach out, put his phone number there and just delivered them on each doorstep. He, it was kind of like a double thing. He introduced himself through the card. Maybe you're an introvert. You want to do that, but like he just blessed them that way. That's easy, easy way to serve millions of ways. You could do that. So you could serve your neighbors. The third thing you could do is you could actually meet needs of neighbors if they, as you get to know them and you find out the needs they have. So I found uh, that one of my neighbors on my block lost his job because of this. Worked for a big hotel chain. They're not doing any business. He lost his job. So, so Marcia and I chatted about it while I was at King Supers buying us groceries with a mask on, all crazied up. I just bought him a gift card. Just bought him a gift card. Actually, I bought a little flower pot too. Put the gift card in there, brought it over, delivered them and just said, hey, we love you. We're praying for you, praying you get a job. It's just, listen, my little gift card to King Supers ain't gonna make it or break it for him. But it might just be enough encouragement to say, hey, I love you. Jesus loves you. We wanna be in community together. We're in this, we're with you. It's a way to show Christ's love. So we can love and we can serve our neighbors missionally in this season. But the other thing that we can do missionally is is we can be generous. And we've talked a lot about this and goodness, Fathom, so many of you have been unbelievably generous to to our church in this season. So thank you. I mean, goodness, we just want to keep saying thank you for this. Like we've been able to help members in this church community with benevolence. This week, and I put this in the email if you saw that uh, that little video, but this week we were able to make these these $1,000 donations to, to local businesses in downtown Littleton on Main Street here who have been impacted uh, by this crisis just to bless our physical community. So listen, you've been a part of this. You have been, you've been playing your role in, in being generous to our community. And we've been able to continue all of our missions support through this entire crisis. All of our missions partners, we are continuing our full financial support of. So I've actually asked Tim Dunham, who is our partner in Chiang Mai, uh, uh, Chiang Mai Thailand. Uh, he's an Acts 29 church planter there to, to shoot a quick video about how they're doing and, and what's going on there. So it's just a few minutes. I want you to watch this video uh, real quick. Uh, good morning, Fathom Church. It's great to be with you. And we uh, just want to give take a minute to tell you how much we appreciate you and are so thankful for your support, especially during this crazy time uh, like you. We are uh, streaming church on Sunday morning and we can't meet together, uh, but we really do appreciate what you're doing to support us during this time. Uh, we are, uh, like most of the world, in lockdown mode here in Thailand, uh, but we've been very busy in spite of that. Uh, just like in the U.S., millions of Thai people are now unemployed and without work, uh, especially as a huge segment of the Thai economy is based on tourism. Uh, but unlike the U.S., where there are 
unemployment uh, insurance and programs here. Uh, many of these people are left without any means to survive. And people really are becoming quite desperate. They really are quite concerned that they're not going to have food to eat. So we are in the process of identifying uh, families who need help. And so far, we've distributed food to over 100 families and are hoping to uh, help many more in the next uh, weeks and months as this unfolds. As we share the food with people, uh, we also are sharing the gospel. And it's been a great opportunity for us to share not only food, but uh, to explain to them that Jesus is the bread of life. And we pray that this will lead to uh, hearts being open to the gospel. I wanted to also share uh, some really good news. Uh, this past weekend, we were able to baptize a young man who's been coming to CCF for the past year. Uh, when he first started coming, he was very skeptical and uh, not really uh, very open to the gospel. But over this past year, God has really worked in his life. And uh, he's been meeting with a, a lady in our church who's a missionary who's been having a Bible study with him. And he really has just come to know and understand uh, God and the power of the gospel in ways that have been quite life transforming. Holy Spirit that is every time is changing my life, my my actions, my my way to think, and basically re-educating me in the worldview of my life that I had before. So uh, this past weekend, we were able to have a small baptism ceremony at our home. And uh, Nola came to me a couple of weeks ago and said, do I really have to wait to be baptized until the whole social distancing thing is over? Uh, and I said, no, let's, let's do this now. So we had uh, the ceremony at our home and a great time to celebrate what God is doing in his life. All right, we baptize you, Nolan, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the things that's really been most exciting about his story, though, is that uh, Nolan is not actually Thai, uh, and, I, and he's not American either. He actually comes from Chile, from South America, and he came to Thailand looking for some adventure and some work. Uh, but praise God, what he's found here is uh, life in Christ. And we are just so thankful to be a part of what God's doing in his life here. And uh, we, we know that you're an important part of that, uh, our ministry. and. Uh, uh, seeing the gospel go to uh, the homeless, to the poor, uh, to people like Nolan, uh, you're a big and important part of that. And so we're very grateful for your help and support. Uh, we really appreciate you as uh, real ministry partners here in Thailand. So thank you so much. So church, like thanks, Tim, for sending us that video, but, but that's what's happening. Like that is what is happening because you've been generous to fathom. So I just, again, commend you to this. Being generous is a real way that God will use this season to deepen you. You can join us in this. Go to fathomchurch.org slash give and, and, and jump in with us into this as we bless our community, as we bless our city, as we bless to the ends of the earth. And I just, again, another thing I could bank on is this. Like, like no one on their deathbed ever regretted giving away too much. You might regret being too stingy, but, but you never are going to regret being too generous. And, and I'll just say this once too. I say it when I talk about giving here. If you are new to us, if you're new to this church, if you don't quite trust us yet with your money, we get it. Like don't, don't give to us, but I would, I would just say give somewhere. 
Give to something, okay? If you don't trust us yet, don't give it to Fathom, but give it somewhere. I'm just giving you examples of how we are kind of using the support that you are giving us as a church to bless others. So be generous. Um, so, so church, I, I know this has not been a traditional sermon, but that's what I kind of see as what's next for us here at Fathom. Okay, for, for as long as we are at this wall, I want us to push through. I want us to, to start digging through. I want us to claw our way. I don't want us to retreat from the wall, but I want us to take it on. God has us at this wall, and I don't think he wants us to back away from it. I think he wants us to go deeper through it. See, what if when, when things get back to normal, for you, they didn't? Like, what if you don't get back to normal because God changes you in the midst of this crisis? Like, what if he takes you deeper than you've ever been with him before? That's my hope. That's, that's my prayer for us, Fathom Church. Everything that I've talked about today, it's all going to be recapped on the, the resources page, fathomchurch.org slash resources with ideas and, and tools and tips and all of that is going to be all there. Um, so I commend you to check that out. But, and, then, and then listen, come back next week. We're going to dip, dip back into 1 Corinthians. It's going to be another good Sunday together. But I just wanted to encourage you with that vision for what's next for this wall that we're up against. I pray that it is an encouragement to you. I want to end with this prayer from Scazzaro's book uh, that, that uh, I think is really apt. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, teach me to trust you even when I do not know where you are going. Help me to surrender and not turn inward into myself out of fear. The storms and winds of life, O oh Lord, they blow strongly all around me. I cannot see in front of me. Sometimes I feel like I'm going down. But Lord, you are centered, utterly at rest and peace. Open my eyes that I might see you are with me on the boat. I am safe. Awaken me, Jesus, to your presence within me, around me, above me, and below me. Grant me grace to follow you into the unknown, into the next place in my journey with you. In your name, amen.